What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Real Bodybuilding Podcast, episode number 48. But today is not as much of a podcast as it is a coaching call. And I'm with here, I'm here with my coach and mentor, Mr. John Meadows. How are you, sir? I'm good. Just got done training legs. So if I pass out, don't take it personal. What happened to the sound? The sound was good and then now it's different. Oh, I I was actually turning you up. Okay, let me turn this. How's that? Good. Can you still hear me? I can hear you fine. Okay, good. That's perfect. Okay. Um, anyways, how are you doing? Good? Yeah. Um, I honestly, man, I feel totally normal. I mean, I'm still being careful, but I feel totally normal. I did um, squats today for the first time, really. And uh, I didn't like go to failure on anything, but mm. my legs are wobbling. You know, I'll probably push like, I'd say like 80%. Yeah, yeah. Feel good to be back? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it's a little scary, but it's only scary just because I don't want something bad to happen, but I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, and I'll be interested next month because I'm getting an echo cardiogram done, and it's yeah. that's one of two ways to really see your heart function, Yeah, and I'm optimistic that it'll be really good just based on how good I feel now, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know until... Till we do the test i'd love to do it now but he said to give until august because then everything was going to recover will probably be recovered yeah so. um you put up a video recently i'm not sure if you want to discuss it but there was some supplement scandal stuff that was going on and i kind of want to talk to you about it on here but i'm not sure if you want to cover it at all do you want to do you want that's to- fine man I, that's fine that works yeah so what happened? So for those of you who don't know i guess there was a little bit of a scandal and it was based on a company on one of the labs or one of the manufacturers not putting the ingredients into what they said they were. Is that the, well there? Yeah, you're right as a manufacturer and I pulled up the FDA warning letter and I just basically walked through the warning letter and it's not unusual for a manufacturer to get a warning letter. Like that's, if they get a warning letter, you shouldn't say, Oh my God, these guys are terrible. You can get a warning letter just because your documentation may not be in order for something or there may be little things. Yeah. So it's not a case for panic, Mm -hmm. but what was in that warning letter was really bad. What was, what was in the warning letter? Exactly. First of all, there were a ton of things, but there were two that really jumped out at me. And one of them was you have this uh, batch record that the person who's blending the ingredients together they look at this recipe. They look at this recipe. That's what it is. It's a recipe. Oh, we got six grams of citrulline. We got, you know, 200 milligrams of caffeine and whatever's on that batch record is what they blend. And that's what ends up in the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when the FDA came in and did their random testing, this is just random. They're just picking yeah. random things that are coming off the line. Yeah. Um, what was on the batch record was not what's on the product label. So oh, think about that. Let's say you have one of your products and you look at what's on the label and you think, cool, you know, this is what's on the label. But then the person who's actually blending it has a different list. Yeah, yeah. That's a problem. But how does that, how does that happen? Like, is that the manufacturer's trying to cut corners or is the supplement company trying to cut corners or we don't know? We, we don't really know. Like, I can't sit here and say, all the supplement company told them to do that. That would not, that would, can we, I can't do that. That's not we, fair. Generally what happens in my opinion is it's probably the manufacturer trying to cut corners. And what happens is um, there's not, I mean, you can make a lot of money manufacturing. There's certainly people that have done that. But if you think about the margins that you make and the margins that manufacturers make, there's only if you mean there's not like hundreds of companies that are making tens of yeah. millions of dollars. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, it's a way to make more money. Like you give somebody, okay, what I want to charge you $15 a unit to make your product. But in my head, I know I'm really only going to be putting in 80% of what he says. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm not saying that happened in this case, but what I am saying is there was a track record that started years ago. It was a manufacturer that's been around. They've had multiple felonies against them. I listed the links so people could see I wasn't just pulling. So I just gave a factual account 
mm. of the history and what the FDA found. And then, by the way, and they also found the product was spiked with DMHA, which was, they were told to not put in the product yeah. Yeah. early last year. And, yeah. you know, this was a new batch. This yeah, wasn't, yeah. well, they came in and found old bottles and early, but this was a new batch. So they yeah. knowingly put in a, an ingredient they're not supposed to. Yeah. So my opinion, something like that is a big deal and it needed to be shared. And I'm sure I made a lot of people mad, but if nobody ever speaks up, then I don't want to hear anybody complain about supplement industry. If nobody has the yeah. guts to speak up, then don't complain. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know? So just so that people know, so because I don't think everybody really understands the process. So basically the batch record is, for example, for Hostile, me and my team sit down and we figure out a formula of what we want in our pre-workout. We give that formula to our manufacturer. Then the manufacturer puts that formula in a blender, blends it up, and that's the product. It's finished. So the batch record, how can it be different unless they purposely changed it, right? Right, exactly. So the manuf- So basically, it's all in the manufacturer. So the second question is, how do people protect themselves against stuff like this? Like, how do they know what company was... Because a lot of that stuff is, is kind of quiet on the down low. Not, people don't generally know who's using who as a manufacturer or even look into those things, really. So how does somebody find out, okay, this manufacturer was doing things wrong. Who are the companies that were using that manufacturer? Can anybody find that out? It, I don't know where you'd find the public knowledge to do that. I'm in favor. Listen, this is my, I'm going, you know, I'm going into politics. So yeah. here's my political platform. <laughs> I'm in favor of making it mandatory to put on the labels where the product is made. So people know. Yeah. I'm for that. Yeah. I'm in favor of that. Why would you, um, why would you not, why would you, if you, you would only have to have something to hide to not be in favor of that. Well, that's not totally true. I could, I see, this is the only thing I think. So we're with a, you know, who our manufacturer is and they're very, very reputable manufacturer and uh, they do everything by the book and they are, one of their specialties is their flavoring. So if somebody's coming along, maybe I don't want them to know who I use because I like our flavoring and I don't want anybody, anybody to be able to copy our flavoring. So I don't want them to find my manufacturer. I want them to find some other manufacturer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's something I, that's a good point. That's because a, like, that's what a fair I'm, point. because what I'm saying is like, if you took my product and you look at the label, there's nothing proprietary on it. Right. Right. So the only proprietary thing I really have is the flavor. That's a good point. So that's it's like, I don't want to put the, the information for my manufacturer out there. So in case somebody wants to start a new company, they're like, well, I like Fuad's flavors. I'm going to go to the exact same manufacturer. So that's a good point. Yeah. You bring up a good point. But I do agree with you in a sense that it would be nice to have it open so that if the customer goes into somewhere and say manufacturer X has been known to, you know, be shady, they know not to buy the, the products that come from manufacturer X. Yeah. So in that sense, it's a good idea. I just don't know. There's so many different ways that I've learned that supplement companies kind of play little games that I'm kind of with you on helping the public figure out better ways to purchase. I just don't know how we would do it so that we can keep some of the things private that we want to keep private. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I think about is um, if we were to make it so that everybody knew where products were made, then people would more than likely avoid the bad manufacturers and go to the good manufacturers. So overall, the industry itself would be in a better spot and consumers could feel better about their products. True. So, you know, it's the old adage, the good of one or the good of many. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I can, I can see your point exactly. And it makes a lot of sense. If, if, you're, if you remember for many years, everything was proprietary. There was yeah. no disclosure and you had companies like NutriBio came along and they said, no, we're going to tell you everything. Yeah. And the fear was all these companies, what, what, they, what they were saying was, well, this is a special formula. We don't want anybody to use it. But the reality was most of them didn't want you to know the doses because that's they true. knew they were fairy dusting a lot of stuff. That's, that's what the reality was. Yeah, that's true. But now there's so many companies, companies like yours, companies like mine, where we're like, here's the formula. This is it. Yeah. And if you, if you think 15 years ago, that never happened. You know, yeah. there was only like a company like Nutribio, which I give those guys a lot of credit. Um, and, 
you know, I don't think it hurt the industry. I think it actually helped a lot. When I see, yeah. when I see a formula now that doesn't tell you anything, I'm like, I'm already, it's already suspect to me. Like, what are you hiding is the first thing I think. That's the first thing I think too. And I see a formula. If I, as soon as I see a proprietary blend, I'm like, when I check the, especially the size of it, if it's a proprietary blend of like seven different ingredients and there's only like three grams, I'm like, that's <laughs> yeah. like there's a problem. There's a problem there. Right. So anyway, yeah. well, uh, so is there any advice you can give? I, I mean, we'll wrap this part of it up. I just want to ask if there's any advice you can give a consumer when they're trying to be as safe as possible. What, what is like, what are, what are some basic things they can do to make sure they're not running? They're not buying from a company that's using these shady manufacturers. God, that's such a hard question. Number one would be, I would just ask the supplement company who makes your products. Then yeah, I would do lot, some, but a lot won't tell that. That's a lot won't tell, you yeah, know, if they, yeah. if they do tell, then you can do a little research. If they don't tell, then you're really stuck. So then yeah. you got to just ask yourself, you know, am I going to trust them? I'm not going to trust them. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a tough question, man. It's a tough question because you, I mean, like I said, the, the warning letter is not the end all be all mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just because a manufacturer has a warning letter doesn't mean, Oh my God, they're terrible. They're cheating everybody. So there's another level to this where you actually have to understand how to read a warning letter. Sure. So I'm a little hesitant on telling people just go to the FDA database and see who's getting warning letters, but you still have to do some research. If you, if you continue to see, and the other thing is, is if you don't think something's working or is good, then try something else. And here's, yeah. okay, and here's one more point. When something seems really cheap, yeah. like how, you know, here's two pre-workouts. How is this one 19 bucks? <laughs> you, you know, if you, yeah. so here's another one. If you see a company doing buy one, get one free every weekend. Yeah. You got to think to yourself, what kind of margins is this company making? And they, and that allows them, yeah. To, to basically give away product, they have to have a high margin, which means their ingredients, mm -hmm. their profile for ingredients is probably not good. Like you and I, we can't do buy one, get one free, but we no. can't. No like, that's going to put us out of business. Yeah. Yeah. But when you see these big companies doing buy one, get one free all the time, like that should raise an alarm in your head. How can they afford to do that? Yeah. Like, how can they essentially, because if you and I did that, we will lose money. No, 100%. You know, the one 100%. thing the one rule that I've learned actually, and I actually never even knew this until I really started researching supplement companies and researching how I wanted to formulate my product, the scoop size. Yeah. The scoop size tells the story every single time. I yeah. mean, if you, if you eliminate brand, if you eliminate amino acids like branch chains or EAAs or whatever, and you eliminate carbs, the scoop size of your pre-workout is going to tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, because yeah. if, you, if you have a scoop size, it's like eight grams. It can only have so much in it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. uh, I think that's one of the main tells of what you're buying. We'll, we'll let you know kind of what you're buying and what's in it. Yeah. But it's tricky. Um, and the other thing I want to say is too, uh, the companies aren't at fault here because they could be doing everything by the book, but the manufacturer might be the one doing this on their own. Well, well there's, so there's two points to that. Yeah. Um, number one, generally speaking, generally speaking, I agree with you. They may not know. Number two, yeah. if they knowingly went to a manufacturer that had a bad track record, oh, then yeah. that's the risk. Yeah. Then that's the risk they took. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you take some heat, that's the risk you took. When you chose to do business with a shady manufacturer, you assumed yeah. that risk. So yeah. that I will say that too. Like if yeah. someone says, well, you know, he did eight things wrong in the past, but I figured just for me, he would all of a sudden change. That was your decision to make that risk, to take yeah. that risk. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know? Um, so we've been going back and forth for a couple of years about me competing and uh, <laughs> 2018 was a disaster. If you remember, do you remember 2018? I would I get, remember, man. I would, I would get ready for a show. And then like five weeks out, I'd be like, I'm making really good progress. I think I'm going to wait. Yeah. And I, and I contemplated retirement a lot in 2018. And then 2019, I decided to get ready for Toronto, but the prep wasn't like a hundred percent. I was kind of like wavering a little bit, but I was still coming on strong. And then I tore my tricep. So the last couple of years have been really uh, kind of not great to say the least. So now I've decided I'd like to, I'd like to try and get one more show under my belt and see how it is and see how it goes. 
And if it goes well, then I'll see what happens after. And if it doesn't go well, then that'll be kind of my, my last show. But I've been dieting for a couple of weeks now. So I thought, okay, I don't really want to do this without you. So if you're willing to give me another shot, <laughs> we can, we can go after this one last, one last time and see kind of what we can make of it. I don't know how my physique's going to look because I have holes everywhere now. You know, I got torn tricep, you know, I, my lats torn, my hamstrings torn, but I think I could still be good if we bring it in. Right. Well, uh, I'll tell you this. If you remember Mark Dugdale was on the verge of retiring and he was done to true hit training and he tore his pec, he tore his quad, he tore his ham yeah. and he was on the verge of retiring. And when we, uh, worked together on his training and some things like that. If you remember, he came back and he won five or six shows. Did he really? Yeah. Like the first year he revamped his training, he won three shows. He went to Olympia. The next year, I think he won another two shows. Mm. Um, so just a little ray of sunshine there for you. <laughs> so, so you're telling me this isn't a matter of you just taking over the diet. It's a matter of you taking over my training as well. Cause we, you've always said that my training is like the number one, my number one enemy. It without a doubt is. Um, so I remember when you tore your lat, you were doing heavy T-bar rows. And I think you said you had six plates on there. I think it was, and I think it was seven or eight, but anyway, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. And you said, well, it felt kind of light. And there's certain, there's a certain level of um, stress you have to apply to the muscle, but, the reality is, is you're at the age where the whole progressive overload mentality to get stronger and stronger, you got to look at risk versus reward. Yeah. And for you, the risk is really high. So I would rather you pull back a little bit on the heavy weights and rely more on tension and things like that. Now, if you were 25 years old, this could be a totally different conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just have to look at the principle of, of individuality. Like, what, where are you at in your career right now? What makes the most sense? Does a PR on a T-bar row, is okay. it worth the risk? Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's not, I don't want people to think I'm like retarded. I can't actually, sorry. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say retarded. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm, I'm, I'm not smart. I, it wasn't a PR. I think I did seven plates or six and I ripped out 10 and it wasn't 10 to failure. It was just 10 and it really felt kind of easy. So I was like, okay. And I've done seven before. It wasn't like the first time I've ever done seven. So I put the seventh plate on and I've always been of the mentality that if you knock out 10 easily, you put a plate on. And then if you don't get to 10, that's the last one, right? That's fair. That's so fair. It wasn't like I was chasing a PR. I was trying to be like macho or whatever. It was just, that's just the way I've always trained. And I also, yeah. one of the questions I have for you based on that is, and this is probably a little bro science, but that's who I am. So um, I always feel like the way you build your physique is the way you have to train or else it won't look the way it's supposed to look. Like I built my physique with heavy, hard training. Yeah. So I feel like if I don't do that, it won't have the same appearance that it had like in 2015, for example. Yeah. I, I would disagree with that. And here's okay. why. You have built a foundation um, you have worked so hard, you've built a density, you've built a foundation. Maintaining muscle size and look is way easier than building it. Yeah. Um, and it's almost shocking how easy it is to maintain if you have put in the work and you have built it through blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. You have without a doubt done that. There's absolutely zero doubt you have put in the work to build a lot of muscle on your body mm -hmm. i think you would be surprised with how easy it is to maintain as long as you're using intensity in your training and you're eating good now let me back up a second because you made a really good point about the t-bar yeah um 10 reps it didn't feel that hard and you moved up I, I can't really dispute that i can't really dispute your way of thinking the only thing i would say is where was the tension in that? Were you squeezing? Were you getting the maximum amount of blood flow? If you were doing that, then I would chalk it up to it's just kind of bad luck. Yeah. I, I can't sit here and tell you, you did 10 easy reps, so you shouldn't have went up. Because if I was there, honestly, and that happened, I probably would tell you to do go up. That's right. Assume, but so the question you have to ask yourself is, are you getting the most out of each set that you do with the weight? 
Um, and that comes to kind of mind muscle connection. Like when you were doing the row, were you really cranking your elbows back and squeezing your lats? That is the only thing I would ask you. And I'm not saying you were, you weren't. It's just as you right. go through your training, I want you to think about that. Am well, I? Well, can I be more strict? I mean, everybody could be more strict. I, I don't train like, you know, I watch Ben Pakulski train and he's doing these really slow, hard squeezes and I don't do that shit. I mean, you've seen my training. It's, it's half sloppy, half good form. It's, you know, I train fast. I train intense. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not crazy like Branch Warren or Ronnie Coleman, but I'm not slow like Ben Pakulski. I'm like somewhere in the yeah. middle. Right. Yep. So <clears throat> I can't say I was getting like this awesome contraction and you know, that's why I went up because it was so easy. I definitely was training with my style. I probably could have done five plates with a better contraction. But like I said, I've always felt like that heavy, that heavy training with a little bit of sloppiness has always been my, my way. So I guess it's just, you know, when you say it's bad luck, when I think of all the tears I have, the back one, the tricep, uh, my hamstring, none of them came like while I was trying to do PRs or when I was trying to do, you know what I mean? They were all just regular weight. You know, it's almost like wear and tear. It's not like, it's not like you can pinpoint something. Like when I tore my tricep, I was bench pressing and I, you know, I've done four plates before and I actually tore it doing three plates. Yeah. So I did four plates the week before for 10 reps and I was doing three plates. And when it, when I tore it, so you know, some of these things I don't think are easily explained the way I chalk yeah. them, I, I chalk them up to wear and tear and you know, who knows, but regardless of all of that, I do agree with you that if there was a better way for me to train and keep my look, I would do it. I just don't know if it's, it exists. Like that's what, like my belief system is different, I guess. I think it does exist. And I would say like, if we evaluate an exercise for, um, Risk versus reward, right? So if we look at a bench press, a deadlift, a stiff-legged deadlift, like, you know how I always put that stuff second in people's training routines? Like for you, it might go third or fourth. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be able to use nearly as much weight, but that doesn't matter because what stimulates the muscle is the muscle fiber has to fire really hard to lift the weight. Mm. And that old saying, a muscle doesn't know how much weight it's lifting, it's actually true. It just knows how hard it is. And mm. if you have to work hard, whether you have six plates on there or four, if the muscle has to work hard and you get to eight reps and you're dead, then what else can you do to the muscle fiber? You've loaded it, you've activated it, and you've exhausted it. You've done what essentially it takes to get big. All like right, that's what it takes to get big. Let, let me push back just a bit, right? Because this, this is why I like having you as a coach because we can have these, this dialogue. So yesterday I started with squats. I started with Smith machine squats, not regular squats. Still had my feet under me though. It wasn't like feet forward or anything. And I got up to four plates for 12 reps. Felt amazing. The point I'm trying to make is I feel like my legs look better. Like if I had done leg press for leg extensions, then leg press, then squats, I don't think my legs would have looked the same when I was done the workout as they did yesterday because I squatted first. It's almost like I got the most out of my legs when they had the most energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when they were the fullest of glycogen and they were the, the most, the most primed and ready to train. That's when I hit them with the heaviest movement. And when I was done training yesterday, my quads looked like they were big Rami's legs. Well, yeah. they didn't look that great, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when I do squats like third or fourth, I do have to train them lighter, but I don't feel like I get that same full round look out of that workout. Does that make any sense or is it just? Well, um, that's when you've got to kind of think about what exercises actually work the best for you. So for example, if let's just say you don't like a leg extension, you don't think it does anything for quads, then mm-hmm. I then I, I wouldn't say you need to do leg extensions first. that's where I think you've got to kind of figure out what exercises really work for you. Mm. And then you got to think about, okay, now how am I going to execute it compared to normal? So normally you might rest three minutes in between your squats, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Um, But maybe you want to do two minutes and, you know, probably not going to use the same amount of weight, but you're going to get a lot of blood flow. You're going to get a lot of fatigue. 
So it's not going to give you, you're not going to be able to have maximum strength, but you're going to still keep that movement in that you like. You're just doing it a little different. You're not going to be able to go quite as heavy, but you still got the good movement in. So let, so let's say I do squats first with your methodology where I'm like, okay, shorter rest period. I don't go as heavy, maybe a little more reps. So I'm getting that movement that I like. Right. But what if I said to you, I only get the fullness in my quads if I do the four plates. That one I have a hard time buying because the fullness yeah. is more from nutrition and it's more from the reps. Okay. So if you think yeah. about the, the, if you think about having the right nutrients in your body and like um, the right pump ingredients always helps. Yeah. That's going to do more for a pump than just using the heaviest weight. You, and, and then like the tension in the reps. But that's what I mean by the tension though, right? Like if I'm using 405, I feel like I'm recruiting, I'm recruiting everything in my legs to do 405 for 12. Well, 12 is a good number. Yeah. So I, I don't really have a problem with 12. If you were okay. saying, I'm going to go up to five plates and do six. No. Well, like now I'm like, yeah. okay, I think a 10 to 12 range is probably really good. Okay. Okay. Then we're, yeah, yeah then we're okay then. Yeah, I think so. But but, but I think where I, what, the reason I got to that point though was, we were talking about removing exercises that may be more dangerous. So like the squat is the best for building my legs, in my opinion, like it makes them look the best, but also does damage to my low back. Right. Or like stiff legs, for example, is I feel like it's the best mass builder for my hamstrings, but if I go too heavy, I'm going to risk a hamstring tear. So do we, how do we, yeah. you're saying 10 to 12 reps is okay, but now I'm like, do I eliminate this exercise or do I leave it in and still do the 10 to 12? No, I think you leave it in, but I'm still of the opinion. I wish you would do a leg curl before a stiff leg deadlift. Do something deadlift. first. Yeah. 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 And. Oh, I would never start with a stiff leg deadlift. I'm just, I, I'm just for the record. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's pretty risky and probably yeah. would overtax your lower back too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know if I did a stiff leg deadlift early in my leg workout, I don't care how good my form is to use any significant amount of weight, my lower back's going to feel it. Yeah. I usually do them like third in my, in yeah. my hamstring. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have an issue with that. I think, um, I, I just like to have the muscle really warmed up and I don't want to use the word pre-exhausted, but already trained to a degree. Yeah. Um, and then those dangerous movements, like what I want you to think in your head is you don't have to go to failure. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's okay to leave a rep or two in the tank. That's okay. Yeah. On the, on the, on the machine exercise, like a leg curl. Yeah. Go to failure on those. Like yeah. the exercises that you go to failure on are the ones that are the safest. Yeah. And that will allow you to continue to do the basic movements that you really like, but still have the intensity, you know, like if you do a cluster set of leg curls, that's going to be awesome for your hamstrings. Yeah. yeah. But you have literally no risk of injury as long as your form's good. Mm -hmm. Right. As opposed to going to Smith squats and you can barely get a rep. Like leave that to the 25 year olds. Yeah. 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 Can I ask you a question about cluster sets? Because I like doing them, but so recently I watched uh, James Hollingshed do a set of cluster sets with five plates uh, squat. And I thought to myself, I could do that with four. You know what I mean? Like I was going to do that, but I thought to myself, there's something about squatting where like I get into a groove and I can, I, it starts to move really freely for me. Right. So is resetting it and taking it off again, you know, four times for a cluster set. Am I putting myself in more danger? Cause I'm kind of restarting that first rep, right? Probably, probably yeah. a little bit harder on your back. Um, yeah. Probably. Yes. That probably wouldn't be my first choice for you to do a cluster set on something yeah. like that. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. have a pendulum squat? No. No, um, I can't. I, I got a, that's a knee buster for me. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Maybe the reverse band hack squat. That's a, so it saves your knees, but you still get real deep. That, that is a great option for a cluster set. Yeah. I did banded hack squats this, this week, uh, last of my workout, but I didn't do reverse. I did them. Made it harder. Yeah. I made them harder, but it still okay. works. It still works the same way, right? Like it's okay. It's be, yeah. it's okay because you're using a lighter bar weight. Yeah. Um, and you're making it hard as you get stronger. That's fine. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, so you want to go over my training with me too. I mean, we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that on the I, podcast. Yeah. I think we do. I don't think we need to revamp it. I just think we need to have 
a general strategy to stay healthy. Yeah. Keep the movements in you like, but be able to do them in a safe way. Still keep the intensity, but use it on the right exercises. I think if we do that, you'll be okay. But you know how I am. If, unless you give me, like when you gave me the destroyer program, I think it's, I think destroy, I think it's called destroyers number 16 that you wrote. I think it was called destroyer destruction or something. I can't remember. <laughs> I did it like to a T and that was in 2014. When I had like one of my best off seasons and then we won yep. a couple of shows in 15, yep. but I did it like set for set number for number. I didn't change anything. When you set guidelines for me, but not give me an exact thing, it tends to creep back. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll yeah. be like, John said, do this. And John said, do that. And I'll listen, I'll, I'll do it for a little while, but you know, like as the weeks go by, I'll end up next thing I know, I'm back to my old training. So uh, maybe it's better if I just do like a hard program, like a 16 or 17 or something you have that you think is good for my, my age. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe 16 I'm too old for 16 now. I don't know. I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think if you just look at the facts, I think that you've, the only thing that's hurt you is, is injuries. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at the facts, because even last year you were looking really good. Yeah. When you like, got, yeah. when you got hurt, you were looking really good. Yeah. And that's why it was such a bummer. I remember getting a text from you and, um, it was like, damn, because you were right on target. Um, so I, I, I don't think we can overthink the training. It, it is what has set you back. So the better we can get at it, the more clear we can be with it, then I think it's going to be better for you. I just want to show – I'm going to bring up my diet in a second, but I want to show people what you were talking about from last year. So this is – this is last year before I tore my tricep. And that was – I think we were four weeks out there. Yeah, you were coming. Everything's popping. Yeah. Quad or the pecs and shoulders are super full. Yeah. Well, I mean, that everything must, was popping. That must have been after a chest day because my legs are a little bit down. Yeah. And every, everything up here is full. But yeah, everything was there. Everything was there. And I, I'm like, I just wonder, I'm like, can I get back to this? You know what I mean? Like, do you, yeah. do you think? Well, we can... let's, well, I mean, we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> we're going to find out. <laughs> That's not very comforting. <laughs> I'm a realist. We'll find I know. Out. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I want you to be like a George Farah. Just be like, I'll get you there. Don't worry about it. That's okay, it. brother. <laughs> All right. So this is the diet I created. I don't know if you're going to think it's shit or you're going to like it. I just, this is what I've got so far. Can you see everything? I can see everything. Perfect. Okay. okay how, so first question, how long have you been doing this? Uh, it's only been two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Um, what has happened to your physique in the last two weeks? I've actually gained about eight pounds. Okay. You've gained. What about your condition? Better, worse, or the same? Conditions better. Stomach is my, obviously my stomach still needs a lot of work, but I'm definitely less bloated. Like I, I, I feel better. Cause I was eating a lot of shit before this. Like I was probably having like, I must've been having three or four cheat meals a week, like before I started this. So the first thing that happened was I noticed my stomach shrank a little bit. And I started getting hungrier and uh, my weight went down, but then it went back up. Like the first, it's weird. The first week, my weight went down to 276, um, all the way from 289. I went down to 276. And then, oh, you know what? It's because I recently started. Can you hear that? I think it's my microphone. I don't know what the F that is. You sound good to me. You Go sound ahead. real good to me. Okay. So I am. Um, I added uh, some growth hormone in and I went and I shot back up from 76 to 83. So the first week you did not have the GH and then you added it in and then the weight came up. Yeah. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's obviously like, you know, a lot of water weight. I mean, I don't yeah. know if, I don't know if all eight pounds is water weight, but I think just eating better is like my body feels fuller and rounder. Well, the first week, just by cleaning up your diet, I'm guessing that that probably puts you in a lot more of a deficit just by yeah. simply dropping crap. Yeah, yeah. Which would, um, you probably lowered your carbs quite a bit. I'm guessing that 355 number was probably a lot higher when yeah. you were eating 14 well, meals a well, week. Because, well, because I, I was eating like a large pizza every night or <laughs> every other night. Yeah, <laughs> Probably you weren't doing 355 grams of carbs a day. 
You're probably on 355 grams for dinner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think yeah. logically, so first thing I always do is I think logically, I think you probably brought your calories down and you brought your carbs down. When you bring your carbs down like that, you're going to lose water weight for yeah. sure. Yeah. So that doesn't surprise me. But then your body's efficient. It gets more efficient. It's got more nutrients and not as much junk. Then you add in the GH and it, it obviously there's some water retention inside the muscle there as well. Yeah. So yeah. None of what you're telling me surprises me. I think the question is just kind of where do you go from here? Well, this, yeah, I also want to tell you this probably, this is probably a couple hundred calories higher just because I have not added up any of the ketchup and barbecue sauce. Okay. <laughs> and you know, you know how I am with those. <laughs> I'm a little bit liberal with my condiments. So. <laughs> Are you at least using a low sugar ketchup though? The low sugar ketchup, but very high sugar barbecue sauce. See, the thing about the low-calorie barbecue sauce is it just tastes awful. I know, I know. It's Dude, I, disgusting. <laughs> I bought the same barbecue sauce that Ronnie Coleman uses. I'm like, if it yeah, works Yeah, that's for... not low sugar. <laughs> it's, like, it's like 14 grams per, like, tablespoon. Yeah. Um, I'll get to dump it, obviously. I just, I figure it's the beginning of the prep. So I leave it in. What are you the... putting it on? Why do you put the barbecue sauce on? The chicken. These two meals. So there's two chicken. This is, that's why I said. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you two. like hot sauce? Yeah, I love hot sauce. I put Frank's Red Hot on everything. Put that on the chicken breast or well, do um, buffalo wing sauce. I'd rather you put that on. Yeah, 100%. I will. It's just because I'm 14 weeks out. So I'm like, I just finished off this bottle of barbecue sauce and I'll throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be the first change is once you run out of barbecue sauce. And what I like about the hot sauce is, is the first ingredient is cayenne pepper. So. Yeah. You know, been in the supplement world now, cayenne pepper is kind of the base for Capsimax, which is a really good ingredient for your metabolism. So I like to have people fired up, man, with the hot, the hot sauce when they're dieting. So that would be the first change I think we could make. I can make it now. I'm, I don't care about the barbecue sauce. I can dump the barbecue sauce. So I'll switch the barbecue sauce to Frank's Red Hot. And then I, you're okay with the low, so, low, the low sugar ketchup? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then... Um, that's probably going to drop you down 100, 200 calories just yeah. by doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you okay with the rest of this setup? I think it's fine. I think it's fine. The fact that your body's getting better tells, tells me don't start monkeying around with it if you're getting well, – I think a lot of people just want to change stuff just to change it. But, like, you're tighter, you're bigger. Like, that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. So yeah. I don't see the need to, well, no, let's cut this or let's add this. Let's roll with it. Yeah. Let's roll with it, change the the sauce out, and then reevaluate in another seven days, seven to ten you know, days. I, I think you're good. I, yeah. I don't see any issues with this at all. The only thing I'm doing now that, and, and you just so you just so you know, sometimes if I don't like if I don't like having if I don't feel like having chicken breast, I'll have fish in place of it. Yeah, you're, nothing you're, wrong with that. You're okay with that, right? It's gonna be less fat, but same thing pretty much. What um what kind of fish are you eating? Uh, flounder. Okay. Or, or All right. You're doing the Kevin LeBron diet then. Okay. Well, I think you guys call it flounder. We call it soul. But yeah, I just it's the it's the least amount of it's the least fishiest tasting fish. Yeah. To me, yeah. so that's why I do flounder. Yeah, I didn't know. No, I didn't. Good. I didn't know Kevin LeBroni did it. Oh man, he used to eat tons of it. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. It just doesn't taste as fishy as like cod does. So I can't. You know, it's the only yeah. one I. Can, it's the only one I can stomach. And then um, the flank. It's really eggs. good with. Um, the, the flounder is really good when you fry it and you put tartar sauce on it. <laughs> well, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I fry it, but I put Frank's Red Hot on it. Um, are you okay with, okay, this, these, this egg meal here, these three eggs. Sometimes if I don't feel like doing the isolate, like if I come home and I'm hungry, I'll do the eggs post-workout. With the, the rest of this will be the same, but I'll do the eggs here. So yeah, I have no issue with that at all. Like what some people would say is, no, you don't want the fat post-workout, but you're doing an intra-workout, so you're taking care of your nutrition right from the start the, yeah. of the training session. So you don't have to worry about the speed of the glycogen replenishment. That's a non-factor for you. Okay. Yeah, for those of you don't, you, those of you watching, I also, uh, Hostile makes an intra-workout that has a little bit of carbs and essential aminos, and I'll, I'll usually take that right here. Yeah. So this is my pre-workout meal for those watching. I usually train after meal two or three. And uh, this is my, always my post-workout meal. And then this is always my bedtime meal. You're okay with the almonds? It's, it's not too much fat? 
No, it doesn't. That, the fat doesn't concern me at all. It's that really, it's more the calories and where they are they where they need to be. Um, and in fact, I actually like that because you don't have any. Um, it, it's it's going to kind of stabilize your blood sugar, um, mm-hmm. the fat and protein. Yeah. Um, that last meal. So it, it actually, actually, I think that's a great choice. I don't have any issues with that at all. Okay. Well, I learned from you. So if you said the diet sucked, it would be your fault. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I know you like more fat in the diet. And I know normally you would have like, normally for those watching, John would have like chicken breast, maybe a little less rice, and you would have coconut oil here or avocado or something. Is that right? Yeah, but this is okay though. As long as your blood sugar is staying stable. Um, and again, you're having your intra workout, so you're not going to have a situation where you go hypoglycemic because then you're, you're drip feeding some carbs while you're trained to. So no, this yeah. is good. Well, the reason I did it is I just, I wanted to, the fat's not too high. It's only a hundred grams. And I wanted to do that just because I've, I don't know if this makes any sense. Cause I feel, I hear both schools of thought and maybe you can help me explain this. So some people say if you eat a lot of fat, it takes longer to digest your food. And that's why you end up with a bloated stomach. And some people say, if you don't eat any fat, you got to eat more carbs and the volume of food is higher. So that's why you end up with a bloated stomach. Who's right? Man, both of those arguments are really good. Um, If you add fat, it's absolutely 100% slows down digestion. Now, now, now you get into the discussion of what about each fat, because each one's a little different. Yeah. Like you can't compare a tablespoon of olive oil to um, the fat that you get in an egg, for example. Like they're going to have a little different effect on your body. I'm not saying one's good, one's bad. It's just different. Yeah. Um, You know, you look at a coconut oil, which doesn't even require liver bile to digest. I mean, it's kind of in and out. Yeah. And then if you compare that to say the fat that's in like a little bit of butter, for example, butter does have some short chain fatty acids, but it's going to be a difference. So, you know, then you like fish oil, you know, do you really think a teaspoon of fish oil is going to have the same effect as the equivalent amount of fat in avocado in your digestion? Probably not. So, yeah. um, so I don't, but overall does fat slow down digestion is a general statement. I would say, I think you could probably make that argument. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, same thing with fiber. It's going to do the same thing, especially if you have soluble fiber, soluble fiber creates a, the term that you read is a gel-like mass is what everybody says, but it does slow things down yeah. in your digestive tract, which is actually good for absorbing nutrients. Yeah. Yeah. But then once the nutrients are absorbed, you want it out. Um, and, and eating extra carbs, like if you go lower fat, then I do generally tend to think and you need to go higher carbs. Yeah. So if you're eating baked potatoes, now we got to talk about the carb source. So yeah. are you eating cream or rice or are you eating two baked potatoes? If I eat two baked potatoes, my stomach's going to feel like it's going to explode. Yeah. But cream of rice, I can do half a cup and nothing. Like yeah. I don't have a bloated stomach. So now you got to think about, okay, what about the source of carbs? Generally speaking, they're right. You're going to have to eat more carbs, but now you got to think about the food choice. So if somebody's mm-hmm. got a problem with their gut swelling up, okay, let's look at the food sources. Maybe you need some cream of rice or maybe, maybe you need to change the food source so you don't mm-hmm. have that issue. Yeah. So well, I we think can... both schools of thought are, are right, but you got to look at the food source that's kind of the second question so it almost sounds like the real answer the real answer is how does the food digest for the person absolutely because for example i know if i eat sweet potatoes more than once a day i'll get i'll get super bloated and it's because same thing happens to me because of the sugars in the in the sweet potato right so it could be the fiber too uh, but the same thing happens to me yeah like for example i can have half a a cup of oats and i do great yeah if i eat a cup yeah, I got. I'm, it's I'm bloat city. Yep, done. Same yep. thing with broccoli. If I yep. eat a little bit of broccoli, I'm cool. If I eat a lot of broccoli, I'm in pain and I'm yep. bloated. So, yep. you know, and the same thing is true with protein. I, yep. I got to a one point one year where I could literally only have about three or four ounces of chicken. When I went up to six to eight, I felt like my stomach exploded. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, protein powders, protein, carbs, fat. It's always like trying to find the right food sources for your body. So for me, I think after 20 years, I've, well, I can't say after 20 years because things have changed dramatically year to year over the 20 years. But I guess in more recent years, I guess what I would say is 
I can do one sweet potato a day, which I like because it gives me like a sweet, it kind of kills that sweet tooth a little bit. Yeah. So that's, that's why I have it in there. Meal five. Um, rice digests really well for me. And if we're going to add fat, coconut oil digests really well for me. So if we, if you want to lower my carbs and increase my fats, those are the two best ones to, you know, lower the rice a bit and pump the, the, the coconut oil, peanut butter, cream, see cream of rice kills me. You know why? I think it's the sweetener. Cause I always put like three packs of Splenda in it. So that's number one. And then I always throw a tablespoon of peanut butter in it. So the cream of rice is no longer cream of rice. It's like sweetener with peanut butter and all this other, and it just doesn't, it just sits. Right. Yeah. So what do you think about cream of wheat? Cause I've been doing, I did cream of wheat a few days too. Did you add in sweetener and the peanut butter? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, this is great because people are probably going to think I'm a lazy bodybuilder and I'm not. This is probably how all bodybuilders are. Would you say most bodybuilders are like me, but they just don't tell you? Um, or no? Or, or are they all really good and I'm just like skating by? <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to say, man. I know, I, mean, I, know, I know you have some animals like Josh Wade, who's like a Josh is a straight animal. Josh will be like, <laughs> hey, John, I wanted you to know that I added a quarter teaspoon of sea salt. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay. <laughs> He's a machine. <laughs> no, yeah, Josh Wade is a is a machine. I understand that, but I won't ever cheat like without telling you. Like I'm going to tell you, I'm adding three packets of Splenda. That's got to go into my cream of rice. Yeah, or my, you know what I mean. So, I don't know. Do you have anybody else that's like a machine like that? Is Missy is Missy a machine or no? Missy's Missy a straight machine. Trust. She seems like that. Yeah, those she's of you a don't straight know, machine. Man. Missy Missy Trescott was second at the Olympia. Yeah. Yes. She was yeah. second at the Olympia. Yeah. She yeah. won the Arnold and um, she's, so she's got some good competition this year. There's like three girls coming back that are champions. So yeah. what about Terrence Ruffin? I've, I believe Terrence is a machine. I think he is. I need to work with him for another year to determine that based so, on the results that he's having. I think he's a machine so, so far. So basically you're saying I'm the laziest bodybuilder you have. Probably. <laughs> 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 uh, i think with you you just add so many sweeteners and i don't know that you need to like like why would you add three when you can add one i don't get the same flavor out of one. Oh my god but you you must be wanting like hyper sweet then. yeah yeah and the problem is like people are like well you should just use stevia stevia tastes like crap man it does taste like crap it I tastes figured, like straight I, chemicals <laughs> which is the ironic thing look i figure it's one meal a day right i have like my, my cream of wheat or cream of rice or oatmeal in the morning, one of those three. And I have my Splenda with it and I enjoy it. And that's it for the rest of the day. Are you having coffee? Uh, I usually have one coffee a day. How many sweeteners are you putting in your coffee? <laughs> two. Two? <laughs> two? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's not that bad. Five sweeteners for the whole day. It's not that bad. Do you remember the diet? Right. You remember the so diet? your sweet potato and meal five, are you adding any sweeteners to that? <laughs> I have though. I have actually. I cook it and a cinnamon and sweetener on top. Oh my God. Amazing. No, um, I got to be honest though. Remember the day, remember the diet? I think it was 2015. We were eating cream of rice like every other meal. Yeah. I, I was, I was overloaded on sweeteners, man. Cause I yeah, was, but, but you were also doing like 2200 calories too. Yeah. Yeah. So was, you were getting shredded just from being in a sheer caloric deficit. Yeah. I was eating, I was eating like nothing. I remember that, but I still have that diet. You, you maybe it's 2,400 calories, but for a guy your size, you were yeah, suffering. Yeah. But I remember, but to see this, a thing you can say, you know, those, this guy's a machine and that guy's a machine. I eat what I'm supposed to eat. I might add some ketchup or add some sweetener, but I always get, re I always get ready. Yeah. Like you've never had a problem getting me ready. Have you? No, no. It, because again, it's just a matter of getting your calories where they need to be. Yeah. So, but you don't ever feel like you have to feed me less than you could. Do you? Honestly, getting you in shape, I don't feel is that hard. I, I feel I've, like you, I've always felt like I've, I've lost weight pretty quick, pretty easily. Yeah. I, I don't feel like getting you in shape is like extremely difficult. I, I don't feel like yeah. that's the issue. I think that's why I've never paid attention to the sweeteners and the condiments. Cause it's never, just never affected me. Like, I do the cardio and do the training and it kind of just comes off. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, okay. So right now, the only other question I have is I'm doing one cheat meal a week on Saturday night. 
and I'm last not, meal today. Yeah, and I'm not doing like a massive binge or anything. I'm just doing like a regular meal. Like last week, I did uh, I did two burgers from Five Guys, a, a big one and a small one. Not no cheese on them, uh, no mayo, and I had I split a medium fry with my wife, and that was it. So felt fine the next day. Didn't feel yep. bloated. Didn't feel anything. And I. And what I did was I normally take Sunday off, but I decided if I'm going to have a cheat meal Saturday night, I'm going to make Sunday a training day. So I train legs on Sunday. Perfect. Makes sense. Kind of of use it all up. Yeah. I used to do that. I'd have my big cheat meal on Friday night because Saturday we were doing legs at Dave's. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I've always had the cheat meal Saturday night and Sunday's always been a day off. And I'm like, this doesn't really make sense. I'm eating all this food and I'm taking a day off. Yeah. So I decided Monday's going to be my day off now. And I'll do the legs the day after my cheat meal to get the most out of it. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, The only other question I have is on days off, do you want me to reduce calories at all? I would probably pull two to 300 calories in the form of carbs out. Okay. So you're looking at 50 to say 70, 50 to 70 grams of carbs overall reduced, but that's it. I would still keep the protein and fat the same. So instead of doing 300 grams of rice, I can just do 250. Yeah. And then reduce the sweet potato to 200. And that's pretty much 70 grams right there. Yep. That'd be perfect. Um, lastly, cardio, 35 minutes, six days a week in the morning. I think that's a great place to start. And you're 14 weeks out. I wouldn't want you to be doing an hour, hour and a half yet. So okay. keep it right there for now. That gives us a chance to work our way up as we go through the diet. Okay. And... That's about it. We'll keep uh, everything else under wraps. Can't tell you about my steroid stack. That's a private. <laughs> it's not that. Still it's doing, not that. Are you still doing 10 grams of test? A week? <laughs> I started doing five, five grams of trend this week. No, I'm just joking. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm on, I'm on a, my test is at a thousand right now or 1100. I think it's not bad. It's good. I think it's very reasonable for a pro at your level. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, John, I know you have a lot of stuff to do today. I don't want to keep you too long. I just want to go over the diet. Is there anything you want to discuss or uh, mention before you go, before we wrap up? Um, not really. I think just um, changing out the sauces we talked about is plenty of change. Everything you're doing is working. I don't see the need to like overhaul anything. I think you make good food choices. Um, the only thing I would say is just as we're going along, really pay attention to how you feel after each meal. So we really are in tune with what foods make you feel the best. Well, actually, you said that. I just want to ask you one question since you said that. When I wake up in the morning, I'm feeling a little bloated. And I feel like it's from all the fat. In the, the fat in the last meal? Okay. But I, but, I feel, but I feel like it's necessary because I'm sleeping. So is that wrong? or? Well, I think – I do think it's a little odd – I don't know if odds are the right word. I, I don't want you to feel bloated when you wake up. I, ideally, I would want you to feel nice and tight. What if we switched? This is, this is a, uh, an idea. I think it's, the, like you said, the source. I think maybe it's the almonds. Like maybe I'm not digesting the almonds properly. Okay. So maybe we switch the almonds to like uh, avocado. I'm totally cool with that. Because then it'll give me more nutrients anyway. And I think avocados I always digested pretty well for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It actually is giving you some fiber. It's a lot of potassium. Yeah. It's giving you monounsaturated fats for your heart. I think that's a great choice. Okay. Okay. That's what I'll do. I'll make that change tonight. Um, anything going on with the company? Any new products? Anything you want to plug? Um, you know, it's funny, man. I, I just trained and I got to the gym. We just launched our new pre-workout. Did you? Um, it's what called GX pre-workout. Okay. Grand Extreme. And we took the, we, is we a- took one of our older formulas and we added nitrates to it and we added theanine to it. We added uh, alpha GPC to it. So it's like loaded with nootropics with theocrine. The pump stuff is amazing. It's got six grams of citrulline. It's got the nitrates. And so anyways, I appreciate you letting me go on and on about this. No, uh, one, I walked one, in. Sorry, you want to pull it up? I'm trying to. Yeah, it's not letting me. One second. Uh, let's see if this works. Yes. You see it? Yeah. So go like if you go to products, yeah, and then go to uh, on the right hand side the GX pre workout. 
on the right hand side. Well, lower right. One second. Lower one second. right on your screen. There, there, you see it? Let's go back, go back up a little. Scroll back up and now go to the right. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. Why are you doing the bags now? Dude, I love the bags. Oh, um, really? I love them. So, first of all, it's environmentally friendly, okay. but there's actually more to it than that. So, the bag, like, it's hard to see, but the design is really cool. Like, yeah. you see the little gray and the speckles in there? Yeah. The design is really cool. Now, I paid extra the zip at the top where yeah, you got your cursor. Yeah. One of the things I hate about bags is that they don't tear evenly. Yeah. We paid extra to get like the best tear you can. Yeah. So it tears right across. And then we paid extra to get the best locking mechanism. So, uh, you, so one of the problems with bags has always been they're cheap bags. They tear uneven and then they won't seal. So you stick them in your gym bag and poof, they open up and stuff spills. So yeah. these are amazing. They tear straight across. They seal perfect. Yeah. Um, and they actually lowered our cost. That's so good. we lowered our cost on the container like a dollar a unit. So yeah. what we did, you know, a dollar a unit is actually a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah, it is. So what we did is then we turned around and we said, well, how can we invest that dollar back into the product? Yeah. And so we put the nitrates in there and we put ah. some of their things in there. So yeah, I, think, I think anybody would, anybody, anybody who's a bodybuilder would trade that in a heartbeat. Like if somebody said to you, hey, I'm going to put this in a bag, which you're going to get a better formula. Yeah. I think anybody would take that deal. Absolutely. And, so, you know. I want to take yeah, a look at what's sure. I want to take a look at what's in it. So see, see what I mean, though? You got a 20 gram scoop. Yeah. Like that's a big scoop. Like, yeah. I think the average in the industry is like nine to 12. So. If that. So you got yeah. some. So six grams of citrulline. Two grams of, two grams of nitrates. And that tea green, let's, that's 100 milligrams active. That's well, that's not well, a trick. That's the active. So it was. One second. I want to ask you a question. So you got betaine nitrate. Yep. As NO3T. I have NO3T in mine, but it's it's uh, arginine nitrate. Yeah. Yeah. There's arginine nitrate's good too. There's betaine. There's different. There's, but why there's are they both, nitrate. But why are they both under NO3T? Shouldn't it be a different brand? Um, no, they're all made by the Thermal same company. Um is it oh, what's the guy's name? Thermal I can't think of the guy's name that has the patent on all of it. But but the arginine nitrates, that's the one you have? I have arginine nitrate in mine, yeah. Yeah, arginine nitrate's awesome. Betaine yeah. nitrate's awesome. Creatine yeah. nitrate, they're really good. It's, yeah. it's very good. And then you have theocrine, alpha-GPC. Yeah, look at the nootropic. Look at the nootropic factor there. So you got yeah. the theocrine at a huge dose, the alpha-GPC. Yep. Yeah. Um, the hooperzine we added, the caffeine is at a normal dose, so it doesn't whack you out. It's just 200 milligrams. You have like, it's a very, like we have. Oh, a and lion's mane. That's a clinical dose. That's actually two grams of the crude powder. Yeah. It's a four to one extract. So it's, it's actually 500 milligrams is actually the clinical dose for that as well. See, this is why I tell people, John, if you're going to buy a product, buy it from a bodybuilder. Don't buy it from a numbers person because this formula is like, we have like pretty similar formulas actually, but. This is like all we have the, some of the same nootropic blends and everything. Like this is a great formula, and you only went with 200, 200 milligrams of caffeine. Yeah, and that's a cheap ingredient. That wasn't to save money. Like no, no, no. I could I make know, that four hundred milligrams, and it wouldn't change the cost. No, no, no. I never, I never meant to imply that at all. I just meant, is there another stimulant in here? I'm not seeing. Nope, just caffeine. So it's just the two hundred milligrams of caffeine. And the nice thing about the teacrine is it actually increases caffeine uptake. So yeah. So, you actually don't need as much caffeine anyway if you use a good amount of tea cream. Did you have any problem flavoring with the, cause we had issues with flavoring when it came to the, cause we don't have lion's mane, but we have Pico two, which is a mushroom blend. Yeah. Right. And we had a problem with flavoring with the Pico two and the tea cream is just the tea it, cream. It takes some work. It the definitely takes some work. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It takes some work. And then, and then the, 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 um, the mushroom blend you're talking about, Pico 2, it also has kind of a weird texture to it. Yeah. It's it gives very the drink like a it's like kind an earthy, of an odd texture. It's like an earthy, like a sandy. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 It's a great ingredient. It's a fantastic ingredient, but you do, you definitely have to put some more work in the flavoring on it. Like people are like, well, why don't, why do you have the, the sucralose in there? I'm like, you cannot get a formula like this to taste good without having something. You can't, it's you know, impossible. John, you know how bad I, I think it's hilarious because people will message me and they'll say, <clears throat> I'm not going to name any names, 
but they'll say, so-and-so's product tastes amazing. And I'm like, okay, let me go take a look at it. And I'll go look and the scoop is like six grams. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's nothing in here. There's no right. active ingredients in the product. So it's going to be way easier to flavor. Yep. If you have 20 grams of ingredients, it's not, you're not going to naturally flavor that. And if you do, it's no. not going to, and it's not going to taste good. It's not going to taste good, especially so, if you have tea cream in there. And I, I don't mean care if it's the tasteless tea cream. I don't care. It's still going to require some serious <laughs> work to get it to taste good. One of the things I didn't like about the Pico too is I want, sometimes I want like I thought about doing like a lemonade flavor, but they're like, you can't, they can only do darker colors because the Pico two changes the color of the, yep. yeah. So stuff like that, that people don't really think about when they're like how trying to, they're giving you ideas like, Oh, you should do this flavor, this flavor or that flavor. But some of the ingredients keep hold you back from doing some of the things that people want. Yeah. So what do you got? You got, Sour power. What else? What other flavors? Tangerine blast. Water. Tangerine. I had this morning. Um, the sour power is um, really sour. I actually wanted that. I can't seem to get that right. I've tried to do sour candy now. We've gone through four or five samples, and it's just not sour enough for me. Yeah. See, this one's hyper sour. Like, if you don't like sour, you would not like that taste because yeah. when you drink it, you go. Like That's what I. Goes, <laughs> That's what I want. That's what I'm trying yeah. to get. And every time they send it to me, I'm like. This is not making me cringe or nothing. I'm like, I want a, I want one that's going to make me like wince. I wanted one like literally like the candy where you eat the candy and your yeah. face goes, that's what I wanted. Yeah. That's what I was. That's what I'm looking for. I'm going to have, I'm going to have to keep trying to go back to it. So tangerine yeah. orange. I found orange is good for our type of formulas. It feels like, absolutely. It, I feel, feel like it works well with the extra ingredients. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you got and watermelon. The watermelon actually does too. Yeah, watermelon, our watermelon, I like our watermelon too. What You know what I found though is I thought watermelon was going to be a lot more popular, but people seem to like other flavors more than watermelon. Are you finding that or no? What, what we found initially was the tangerine was way outselling the watermelon. Yeah. And like in the last year, the watermelon has really gained steam. I think yeah. people were scared of it, the taste. Yeah. It, I think people assumed they wouldn't like it. Yeah. And then once they tried it, it's kind of like our protein. Like we did a salted caramel and we had a debate over that. It was like people aren't going to buy it because they're not going to think it tastes good. They're just going to assume. And when we did the samples, it tasted amazing. And so it was a risk. It was like, okay, there's a risk here that people won't even try it. And what I said was it's worth the risk because once they try it, they're going to be amazed and yeah. it's our number one seller. Yeah. I figure, I feel like that too. Sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a word of mouth kind of thing. Like you need, like once a few people try it and the word gets out, then everybody else will kind of try it too. Yeah. But when yeah. it comes when it comes to the watermelon though, I thought watermelon was like a universally loved flavor. I didn't know. I, so I, I'm, I have mixed emotions on watermelon and when they get the flavor right, it's amazing. They just got to get the flavor right. Yeah, I, I I have yet to have a watermelon that I don't like. So Yeah. I mean when they get it right, it's real refreshing. It's good. Yeah. Well, good for you, John. When is that that's out now, obviously? It just came out. Um yeah, man, I wasn't gonna tell you and I totally got off track was I walked into the gym today and before I could even set my bag down, two guys approached me and they're like, you know, what the first guy said, I've never had a pump before in my life. And this dude's an advanced dude. Yeah. He's like, he got the sour power and he was really impressed. And another guy came and he's like I've never, I didn't know like you could get pumps like this. Like I didn't know it was yeah. even possible. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, like my day got off to a great start. And that's the first two things you hear. Um, like, okay, that extra bit we put in the formula makes it all worth it. Yeah. And I, that's, you know what, that's one of the most rewarding things I found about what we're doing. People message me like that all the time. And they're like, they say those kind of things. Yeah. And I think to myself, because you know, when you're starting the company, there's always this, uh, this debate in your mind, do I do it, you know, under the numbers? Do I go by the numbers? Do I go by what I want? And you got to play that game. Right. And I just went with my gut and I was like, I want to do, I want to just put out like what I want. And people are like, but I think it's because people aren't used to taking things that are dosed properly. So when they, when they take a product like ours, they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So and I, I was telling a guy today, I said, yeah, man, like if you're willing to spend an extra five, six bucks, yeah, the effect you get 
yeah. is going to be so much different. And he yeah. was like, I'll never buy another cheap one again. Well, that's the thing. And it, 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 the crazy thing is it's not really cheap at the end of the day, because like if my, my pre-workout, for example, our scoop size is 26 grams. So if you, even if you took half a scoop, it's still 13 grams, Yeah, which is still bigger than 80% of the market. Right. So, right. I'm like, you know, people get caught up with the numbers. They see the 20 serving or the price and they forget all of the other stuff that goes into it or like what it's really about. You know what I mean? We had, that's a good thing. That's another good point you brought up. And we had a debate whether we should put 40 servings and cut yeah. those doses in half. Yep. Because you and I both know a half a serving like that would still be very effective. Still more. Yeah. Yeah. But the only reason I didn't is because I didn't want people to go, well, he's only using this amount. I didn't want them to twist the numbers mm -hmm. so that they could put down our formula. But you know what most companies are doing? And this is, this is the sad thing that I think people are, I really wish people could see through it, but they're not. What most companies are doing is, and, and it, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's true. I, I kind of wish I would have done it, to be honest. They do a half scoop, full scoop, and they put them both on the label, right? But then they put 40 servings. But really, a full scoop is 20. If you do a full scoop, is 20 servings. Mm -hmm. But because they have the half scoop on there, they can go by that. So they'll put 40 yeah. servings. Yeah, on the front of the label. And then, yeah, and then they put half scoop, full scoop. And it's, yeah. it's not wrong. They're not lying. Right. But, yeah. but it's, uh, we decided just to go with the full, full scoop and that's, yeah, I figured it's better. Yeah. We want people to get maximum effect. Like we want them to take, like, if you're going to pay an extra five or six bucks, then you need to get the maximum effect. Yeah. We want you to understand the potential. Yeah. As opposed to just monkeying around and yeah, no, I'm with you, yeah. man. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, John, I know you got to go. Um, I don't want to keep you too long. I appreciate you going over the diet with me. Uh, we'll check in again. Um, I'll check in with you every week, but maybe we'll do this again live, like halfway through the prep. So be able to see how yeah, this is going. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you want. Okay, John. I'm going to let you go then. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. You as well. Good, okay. good chatting. We'll talk soon. All right. Okay. Bye-bye.